Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Game. I'm Tasha. Season three, episode 21, Denial. This shit is a wild. Okay. Wild. The scene is set at a house party. It is a house party, we find out. But yeah. there's a couple that's fighting while this girl's like, I'm out. And the guy's like, Tina, no. <laughs> she literally busts through a group of people that were holding drinks. Like she could have just easily gone around, but whatever. She's pissed because she saw her dude Malcolm check some chick out and get her phone number. He goes, I can't believe you're making this up. If anybody's wondering what gaslighting looks like, here you go. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Or he said that he didn't do any of that. And she's like, oh, really? Well, empty your pockets. He hesitated for a fucking second. And she's like, fuck off. Yeah. She opens this door to where the coats are. And there's mm. a guy pulling his pants up. And he's like, hey, you know, you can see something on the bed. There's like somebody in there. Malcolm apologizes and closes the door. Right. And Tina is like, what the fuck? Get out of the way. And like pushes back into the room. The fucking guy had climbed out the window. Tina moves coats. And there's a fucking passed out girl. There's a ton of coats on her. Tina immediately calls 911 because she's a fucking bad bitch. Okay, just real quick. The girl is extremely recognizable. The second we see her face, we're like, okay, she's a main fixture. This is Martha Mm -hmm. Plimpton. Everyone fucking knows her. She's Steph Mm -hmm. in The Goonies. She was in Parenthood with Steve Martin. She was in a Mm -hmm. 1983 ABC after school special called The Hand-Me-Down Kid, which I'd love to get my eyes on. She was Monica Mm -hmm. in 200 Cigarettes in 1999. Loved that movie in 1999. She does a ton Mm -hmm. of cartoon voice acting. She's had multiple series run for multiple years, Raising Hope, younger. Raising Hope. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. The Real O'Neills. She stays busy. Okay. Yeah. She's rad. And she's, she's a, a great actor. Amazing actress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So the gang's all there. Tina has given Benson a description of the dude. She has amazing recall of this perp. Malcolm's like, how did you even see all that? It was like two seconds the door was open. So she's a third year law student and was just learning about how eyewitness testimony is super unreliable. So she had written everything down immediately. She's the yep. fucking best. Yes. I fucking love this bitch. I wish she was in the whole thing, but she's not. Mm-hmm. Fuck Malcolm. Right. He's basic. He's fucking basic. He's she not worth Tina's time. She's too busy for this guy. I, I hope she went she's... home that night and was like, oh, I fucking nailed that. Oh, man. Yeah. I fucking nailed that. Who's that yeah. woman I was talking to? What was it? Detective Benson. I'm going to be her. <laughs> yeah. She is impressed with this young woman. She's like, damn, bitch. You know, yeah. Tina says that if they can find him, she can ID him for sure. Right. And then Benson's like, yeah. Like, she makes his face like, fuck yeah. And Tina fuck is yeah. also so professional you would think that it was another detective talking to them like a very mm-hmm. competent detective yeah she's a, a tertiary character but yet so crucial right she is and then and then i think back to the i don't know 30 seconds ago when she was fighting with this <laughs> shit bag yeah i'm like no she's better she's better all right now we're at the hospital there's a new lady doctor okay usually mm-hmm. it's that one lady because there's only one human doctor in new york that is a woman at a time one the, the other one probably retired or like moved to connect no, she had a couple kids and, you know, just was like, this is what I really oh, want to do. I'm the happiest yeah. raising children. Yes. That's what we're meant to. Yeah. You know, That's so. 100%. She she worked a decade for her career. And then she was like, oh, my God, I met the man of my dreams. Finally, I can quit this job. <laughs> yeah. I just need to put up wallpaper borders around my kitchen until I die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Zero shame. I'm a fucking stay at home mom. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just... <laughs> You know what I'm saying. Yeah. So this new lady doctor hands Toots the rape kit. There's a bunch of semen and foreign hairs. Like they have a lot of evidence. Mm-hmm. The victim is still out of it. The doc found opiates in her blood and needle marks in between her toes and upper thighs. Toots has to wait a minute for the Narcan to kick in so she'll wake up and be able to talk. And then mm-hmm. this like cutie patootie little beat cop comes up to Toots and tells him that they have a problem with the victim. And he mm-hmm. was so adorable. Yeah. Did, did you notice him at all? Oh, he was just cute. He's like, I did because I noticed that he didn't seem stupid. <laughs> 
Yeah. I was like, oh, he's cute. <laughs> so he comes up to Toots and he's like, hey, we have a problem with Vivek. They found something in her purse. He hands Toots a little baggie and inside is this almost to the bone decomposing tiny fucking finger, Tasha. Yeah. I was like, what? And Toots has it up to his face and goes, what the hell is this? He goes, was this a finger? <laughs> Like, yeah, it is. Correct. Yeah, buddy. That's a fucking finger. Strap the fuck in. We're going for a ride. Wee! Throw your arms up. Put the safety lever down. (laughs) Get ready to barf out a slushy into your own face. (laughs) Uh, In this water room, Craig and and all of us Mm -hmm. want to know why the rape victim has a decomposing body part with them. Toots is still at the hospital waiting for the victim to wake up. The victim's name is Claire Renato. She's 29. She's a heroin addict. She lives across the river, which I'm guessing is like two blocks away. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She was arrested last year for possession of heroin. It was on probation and court-ordered rehab. She has a grandmother, Rose Renato, who's technically kind of in charge of her. And she had paid Claire's fines. And bailed her out and stuff. Right. That badass witness is with a sketch artist at the moment, and they got to make sure Toots shows it to Claire. Craig wants an update from Coroner Warner and wants a New Jersey search warrant for the rest of the body that belongs to the finger. I hope Tina can get some, like, class credits for something participating here. I just wanted to one see her one more time and be like, hey guys, I'm almost done with the sketch. Hope you guys have a good day or something. <laughs> so at the hospital, we meet Claire Renato. Claire gives Toots shit about his name. She says that she doesn't remember anything about the rape. She's so funny. She's given him shit from the second yeah. she wakes up. She's like, what kind of a name is fucking Finn? He's like, <laughs> so she says she doesn't remember anything about the rape. She got to the party around 11 p.m. That makes me so tired. That makes me so fucking sleepy. I mean, she was 29, so it's a little older than me. But I remember when it's like you didn't go out until 11. Right. So she got to the party around 11. Very, very late. Some dude she knows told her about the party, but he never showed up. And Toots is like, oh, is he your dealer? And she looks at him like, what? He goes, uh, we know that you like needles. We found it in your blood. Don't waste your time lying. You're super into heroin. You like love heroin. Soups into that sweet, sweet skag. You want to marry <laughs> heroin. You want to marrowin. Claire and Tar sitting in the tree. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Remember, Toots worked narcotics, and you can tell he's done this line of questioning before. Also, I spent 30 solid minutes deep diving into everything I could think of to explain where Munch has been. Munch is gone this episode, too. He's absent this entire time. So I looked deep into Belzer's personal life, his IMDb. Well, I looked into his IMDb thinking that maybe some other big gig would line up to, like, why he needed a little more time off. I found absolutely nothing. It's just been gnawing at me because usually they write in someone's absence. Then you find out what was happening in their life at some point but we never know yeah she didn't notice anyone at the party bothering her or paying her too much attention she said a guy at the party offered her a sample of heroin and apparently he lived there toot said he's gonna go check on that dude to see what he has to say and then you see claire kind of skittishly looking around and toots is Mm -hmm. like you missing something Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot about the finger. <laughs> and she goes, um, yeah, my purse. Uh, and he goes, yeah, about that. Do you always carry a human finger around in your bag? And she's like, well, I found it on the street last night and I mm-hmm. put it in a baggie for safekeeping and put it in my purse. And then I went to this party with a human finger in my purse because that's not weird. And it's just the kind of life I have. So and Toots is like, hmm, interesting. Over at the lab, Benson and Stabler walk in and Corner Warner goes, it's official. The finger's dead. Har, 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 har. (laughs) 
The finger may be 10 to 12 years old. Coroner mm-hmm. Warner says there is no way that Claire found it on the street because there was no dirt or signs of scavengers having picked at it. It's also mm-hmm. not from a med school or lab because there's no formalin present, which is a chemical that would have been, you know, soaked into it. Some kind of preservative or whatever yeah. shit. Plus the base of the finger shows that it was ripped off of the hand. Ugh. All of this leads her to believe that the body was stashed somewhere that was protected. Which so is like needs- some mummification almost of it. You yes. Know? Yeah, it was. Yeah. She needs the rest of the body to find out how the baby died. It's a Caucasian mm-hmm. between 20 months and two years. Okay, at the home of Rose Renato, Benson and Stabler and some cops show up with the warrant and. The fucking grandma is Roseanne Connor's mom from the show Roseanne. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah! Her name is Estelle Parsons. She's another actor with like 200 acting credits starting in the 60s. She has an Academy Award for 1967 Bonnie and Clyde. She is a decorated actor. We love her. Yeah. This woman is seasoned, okay, Mm -hmm. in acting and as Rose Renato grandma, okay? Mm -hmm. She goes, you have access to the common areas and Claire's room only. She's obviously been through this before. Benson Mm -hmm. clocks it. Rose says that Claire has been having a hard time trying to reconnect with her mother. Claire Mm -hmm. saw her mother over the weekend and it didn't go well. And Benson's like, oh, that's Mm -hmm. probably why she triggered her addiction. Yeah. Claire's mom's name is Grace and she thinks Claire is willful and if she really wanted to quit doing drugs, she would. So Claire and Grace's visits always end in a fight. Grandma Mm -hmm. Rose wants to know what Claire did. She's like, oh, what happened? What did she do? Stabler tells her that her granddaughter was raped and Grandma is shocked. At the apartment of Grace Renato now, Grandma's daughter, Claire's mom, Mm -hmm. Grace is played by fucking Mary Steenburgen, Mm -hmm. Nancy Huff in Step Brothers, Clara Clayton in Back to the Future 3, Gail in Last Man on Earth. What's Dean Gilbert Grape? Yep, I have that on my list. She plays herself in a bunch of appearances on Curb Your Enthusiasm. She's Porn Stash's mom in Orange is the New Black, Diane Mm -hmm. Jessup on 30 Rock. In Four Christmases, she plays Reese Witherspoon's horny for the pastor mom. She's the editor that helps Emma Stone figure out why racism is bad and the help. She's Emily and Elf, the mom. How many scoops? Yeah. (laughs) She's going to work. Um, Yeah, she's in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. She was also in the movie Parenthood with Martha Plimpton. They have worked together. Oh. Yes. Interesting. All right, so this is the mom, Grace. I don't know how they got all of these people, because these people were well-established, all of them, Mm -hmm. when they did this episode. They're at her apartment. Benson and Staves are at the apartment of Grace Renato. Grace is on her way out. She's going through her apartment, smoking a cigarette, and says that Claire stayed with her, but they got into a fight, so she left. They fought about drugs and Claire's friends. This bitch grabs another fucking cigarette and uses the one she's smoking to light the other one. What's mm. it called? Like monkey fucking or like butt fucking or something? Oh my god, I don't even yeah. remember. It had a name in the 90s or now. Who knows? In the 1990s. In the, in the 19- 1900s. In the late 1900s it had a, it had a name. <laughs> the late 1900s. Oh my fucking god. I told you about that physical therapist guy. I did. Okay, go ahead. You did, yeah. And also... To go along with that, ever since you told me the story about the physical therapist kid, I don't care if he's an adult, he is a child as far as I'm concerned. I've seen all of these like memes and all this stuff where it's like, man, the 90s must have been awesome. Man, did everybody know how awesome the 90s were when they were in the 90s? 
And I'm like, what is happening? It really was a throw. I felt, I felt like it was a throwaway decade. I like, just mm-hmm. like you said, mm-hmm. it fucking, God. but I thought things like, man, how cool would it be in the seventies? All that awesome music. Mm. Fucking Woodstock, bro. You know? Yeah. yeah so, we mean, were doing every the same generation's shit. Got shit. Yeah. Everybody's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I have to get a CPAP, but keep going. <laughs> What the- she is indifferent as indifferent gets and she asks what claire did this time and they tell her that claire was raped you mm-hmm. could tell that they were like oh yeah you dumb bitch juice you're gonna find out that mm-hmm. we're gonna startle you nope she goes well she was on drugs and it's her own fault she was asking for it benson's behind her and goes bitch no one asks to be raped and i appreciate yeah. that for the audience benny but it is falling on deaf ears with this monster of a mother yeah she doesn't care no then grace says well then why are you here they tell her that they found a child's decomposing finger in claire's purse grace is as shocked as she can be which isn't that intense but also is not surprised that claire said she found it considering who she hangs out with yeah she goes on to say that claire has been in and out of trouble forever so she doesn't know why she has it she couldn't begin to know mm-hmm. now we're on the street toots has claire in the backseat of his car and he calls over a mr harding who is one of the dudes that lived in the place where the party was mm-hmm. he says to claire here's the hump <laughs> here's the hump that threw the party is he the guy who gave you the sample of heroin and claire's like no the dude walks up like he just rode a horse from new jersey to meet them did you see how bow-legged this poor guy I was <laughs> hey no oh Hump, hump. <laughs> they and oh, they use it so much. Hump. I, I want to make hump T-shirts. <laughs> hump. hump. Um, Claire says no. And this dude walks up, <laughs> and he says that he's like, I already told the cops I didn't rape anyone. What's going on? Toot says, when I find the bastard who did, what do you think he's gonna tell me? Just then, a cop car pulls up, and the driver tells Toots that Craig and sent them to give him a file. Inside is a sketch of the rapist. He calls Claire in the hump. <laughs> over to look at it. Claire recognizes the sketch as the dude that gave her the heroin. The hump recognizes... I'm not going to say it any other way. <laughs> no, he's a fucking the hump. hump. The hump recognizes him from the party. The dude came to the party with a server named Bella. She works at the diner a couple of blocks away. He said that. <laughs> I know. Confirming Gabe's theory that New York is... Two blocks wide. Two blocks wide. (laughs) And 17 million stories high. (laughs) (laughs) I'm annoyed that this hump makes being a waitress this woman's identity, but whatever. That's He's like, he came with a waitress. Okay. She didn't come in with an apron on getting drinks for people. She did mention, though, that they come in and hit on her all the time. So maybe that's why he was like, oh, it's the waitress. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's why. Okay. So now we're at Pete's Diner. Toots is just huffing and puffing from that long fucking walk to the... (laughs) Toots is asking Bella, who, by the way, is actually sitting down and talking to him. I've never seen a waitress do this. Bella's the server. She does get a name for a hot sec. So she recognizes the sketch. She's like, don't worry, he was with me. He's fine. And he's like, well, did he leave with you? And she's like, no, actually, he left without me and said he had to meet a client. She immediately gets suspicious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wait, pause. He had to go meet a client. It was at least 11 o'clock at night. Right. He's not going to meet a car client at midnight. Fuck you. She's suspicious and tells Toots that the dude's name is arthur felton he's a car broker at least that's what he told her he comes into the diner and flirts with her a lot she thought he was a nice guy and then the way she moves her head when she says i thought he was a nice guy it was like you're bad at acting yeah there was was... something that she did with her head there i was like no "No." yeah i saw your note on that so i went back and watched it again and she was giving me old-timey black and white detective drama with her head and eyebrow work every other word she was like i thought he was a nice guy yeah Mm -hmm. yep Hmm. head drop yeah and i was like you dumb bitch (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> never acted a day in my life, but you don't know how to do it. I know. Oh my God, if I got on there, like I can't even read things well, like out loud. <laughs> on the street, Toots is waiting or something. He's just like hanging out. Mm-hmm. A Mercedes drives up, a red Mercedes, and Arthur gets out and tells Toots, let's take it for a spin. So obviously, Toots set this up to say he wasn't buying a car to get this guy to like come out. They mm-hmm. shake hands and Toots throws cuffs on him as a squad car rounds the corner. Sirens are blaring. <laughs> I took a video of the little cop hopping out of the car. I don't know what it was, but his his little scurry made me laugh so hard. And I just sent it to you. <laughs> Is this the one where I did the close up of the guy? No, the I thought it was oh. going to be when I saw that photo you sent me and I thought it was going to be and it wasn't. Did you see him before? You clocked him before, right? Yeah. The little mustache guy? Yes. And no, then but I this, sent guy- you that. <laughs> this guy okay, is the on. best. Oh, he did a little skip. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he's so cute. He's like, we gotta get this guy. <laughs> How can I help? Oh, it's so cute. I went back a couple ten of times. times. <laughs> I, I uh, ten times and just fucking squealed to myself. <laughs> this little guy. Oh, beep boop boop beep boop beep boop. <laughs> All right. In the squad room, Toots tells the gang that Arthur is on the way to the tombs and his blood is in the lab. So with the bow on that, we can call it a night. Yeah. With that, which is good. That's good. I needed that. Okay. Yeah. Now the story is over. Yeah. Benson tells them that the DNA. No more to talk about. I don't want to address the finger. (laughs) Benson tells them that the DNA on the finger matches Claire. Mm. In an interrogation room, Benson and Stabler and Claire are having a little chat. They found the dude that raped her, but that's not why she's there. They're there, there, about their finger. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) They are there about the finger. She says she already explained it to Toots. So they went on to ask her a bunch of questions. She didn't have any kids. She said she would never bring a child into this world. Stabler asked if she's ever been pregnant. She's like, um, that's not your business, which it's not. Yeah. Then after all these questions, they say, well, the DNA from the bone in this finger matches a relative of yours. And she's quiet. Stabler Mm -hmm. has this little plastic cup, right? Mm -hmm. And it's got methadone in it. It's also, it's mixed with orange juice. And Stabler was like, don't they? I've never seen that. I thought they do. They mix it I, with orange juice. I, at first, I thought it was an orange juice thing, and I was like, why is he holding it for a glass of water? This is so Stabler. And then I was yeah. like, oh, it's methadone. Yeah. Yeah. Stabler actually got that cup and was like, is this orange juice in here? And they were like, yeah. And he's like, well, if it's not spilling over the top of this cup, is it? <laughs> like, do I, do I even want it? If we can't afford to fill this cup, what are we doing in this fucking city? <laughs> If there's not a slight meniscus <laughs> bubble over the top of this orange juice to where I have to walk really slow to make sure it doesn't spill, then it spills at the very last minute. I'm not doing this interview. Or sip the top a little bit so you feel a little bit confident about walking. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm going to either make it in the city or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> what okay. were you going to say? Wait, I want to see what you're going to say because you were, you were winding. You were hard winding up, but I got to see what you're no, going to say. I was going to say, I'm going to heel toe walk really slow <laughs> while I bring it to my lips. I could stop, but I'm not going to because that might fuck up my momentum. <laughs> and then I'm going to take it in. Okay. So he's got methadone in this orange juice, right? He pulls it out of his trench coat or whatever the fuck. It was in his, it was literally in his hand the entire time, but go ahead. Oh, was it? I didn't notice yeah. it until he set it down. <laughs> He holds it up and kind of sets it down on the table and says, we can be very patient, but can you? And he's referring to her withdrawals that are happening and that he's fucking got the solution in front of her. So Claire caves and the music swells. 
And she goes, her name is Lisa. She was my sister. Claire was 13 when Lisa was born. Claire took care of her. Claire did all the things that a caregiver would do. Yeah. Took her to the sitter before she went to school. Then she'd go pick her up. She'd give her baths. She made a point to say, I taught her to never, ever cry. And they were like, what? And she goes, yeah. Or Grace, which is the mom who she does not call mom. She calls her Grace. Mm -hmm. I taught her not to cry to avoid Grace hitting her. One day, Claire had to stay at school late. So she called the sitter to see if she could pick up Lisa later, but the sitter was busy. Mm. When Claire got home, Lisa was dead. Grace mm-hmm. told her that it was an accident and Lisa had fallen and hit her head. Claire says that Grace stuck Lisa in an old trunk and put it in the bedroom closet. So I ended up reading a bunch about this because I was like, what? Just in the trunk? What about the decomp and the smell and whatever? Mm-hmm. So the thing I read was like, there was a flaw in the storyline because only the only way for decomposition to not soak into everything around it and continue to smell indefinitely would be in an airtight sealed container or in mm-hmm. plastic. But then on my second rewatch, the baggie, when they held up like the finger baggie, it looked like one of those vacuum saver things. Like there was no air around the finger. Moving on, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. This is an ADD scatter right. thing. But yeah, I was wondering about some of that stuff, but I just moved on. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I haven't slept in days. <laughs> All right, Benson and Sailor are at Grace's work and she works for the city. She's very irritated that they are bothering her at work. They tell her that they're investigating a homicide. They ask her if she had another baby in 1996 because Claire told them that she had a dead child in her closet. And Grace is like, you believe that? Grace says that she's only had two children, one being a son that died a long time ago. Grace says Claire is probably lying to get back at her. And Benson and Stabler very gently ask if they could just search the house and that would maybe help their situation and get Claire to maybe face her problems. It would really clear things up. Yeah, it would. (laughs) But Grace refuses. She's like, I I refuse to let you invade my privacy any further. couldn't think of any other word for invade besides penetrate. I was like, <laughs> that was what I was like, I can't say that. That's not, I refuse to let you penetrate my privacy. Like, that doesn't make, okay. I'm like brain dead today. Yeah, she's like, I won't allow you to invade my privacy because Claire lied. She says that even if it helps Claire, she has been dealing with Claire's problems for so long and she knows when to throw in the towel and books it back to work. Mm-hmm. She's a bitch. She's a fucking bitch. She's a fucking bitch. I don't okay, believe so for once for how good of an actress she is. I don't believe for a second that she is anything but selfish and that she gives a shit about her daughter. Right. Toots and Claire are at a restaurant. There's a cloth on it and a fucking flower. I was like, where, where are you guys? <laughs> like, what's <laughs> happening? You think you just go to like a shit diner or something? Whatever. She wants to leave. She says she's tired. Toots says that they have some cots that she can crash on at the precinct, but she wants to like go home, go home. He tells her that they need her to stick around the city for another day while they figure all this out. She's like, I'll be at the Lydia Hotel in Midtown. And Toots says, quote, that's a junkie whore hotel. They charge you by the hour. You're just looking to score. Fuck, Toots. He's letting her know that she can't pull her normal moves on him and Mm -hmm. this is where i see their connection okay he seems to care but he'll never say it he's very familiar with who she is and everything i know he likes her because she gives him shit Yeah, she gives him so much shit and it's great. And he's been through this before. Yes, but but I do love the little connection that they have. We haven't seen this with Toots yet. And I really think that Martha Plimpton's acting ability is what kind of carries the whole like you can feel this energy thing with them. Right. Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. So she's like, "Uh, yeah, why are you willing to cop for me? Then this bitch says, you don't scare me and not sporting that retro ponytail and is (laughs) fucking laughing at him. And I'm laughing, too. Me, too. We're all laughing together at this. He's just staring back at her and she's like, 
<laughs> Your hair got you. Yeah. But ponytail. And she's like, nobody you calls like- you on that shit. <laughs> she says, you look like a pimp. All you need is a feathered hat and a crushed velvet suit. And Toots doesn't say anything. And then there's this pause. And Claire stops laughing because she realized everything sucks. And like looks over at him, looks back out the window, looks over at him again. And she's like, stop it. Because he's just mm-hmm. staring at her. Yeah. And he's like, mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for you to turn it off. You're hurting, so lash out. Say when, and I'll try to get you some help. And then she mm. says, next you're going to tell me you understand my pain. Ugh. And he's like, not me. I have not seen my sister's stuff in a box like a pair of old shoes. She's like, okay, well then fucking cut me some slack. Like, shut the fuck up with this lecture bullshit. Leave me alone. And yeah. Toot says, you like what you become? You like being a junkie? And she says, yeah. And he grabs her fucking arm and lifts up her sleeve and asks, he's like, where are the needle marks? Why don't you put them where people can see them? If you're so fucking proud, why are you hiding this shit in between your toes and all that shit? And she's like, it's the only time I feel good about myself, okay? I can't see her face anymore except when I'm high. Oh. And I was like, ugh. In the squad room, Stabler asked Toots how it went with Claire. He's like, she's got some demons. Benz is like, yeah, with a mother like that. Grace denied the search, but they got an RMP, which I don't know what that means. Just somebody watching, I guess. Um, They got an RMP nearby in case Grace decided to do some, quote, spring cleaning. Benson scolds Toots for his attitude. She's like, I'm really surprised in your fucking attitude. You either believe Claire or you don't. Beep, 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 beep. Radio motor patrol. Oh, okay. It was basically a cop car with a radio in it. So uh, yeah. all cop cars. Be like, hey, she's fucking doing stuff. But... Toot says, living with an addict is a special kind of hell. Loving one is even worse. Learned that a long time ago to not believe most of the things they say. And I was like, oh, Toots has some demons too. Cragen walks in and says that Grace agreed to let the police search her house tomorrow afternoon after she gets off work. Cragen's like, you all need to go and fucking watch her in case she dumps that body. Mm-hmm. So Benson and Stabler are sitting in a squad car. It's late. It's a fucking stakeout. I love this shit. Stabler's drinking coffee and offers Benson some. And she's like, I can't because coffee runs right through me. But then I was like, what? I see you fucking drinking coffee all the time and they never bring it up again is there something no. else happened was it tea she is, is the tea consummate n- no no she's the consummate professional okay she can't she risk wanna... leaving her post to go take a shit but if she's talking about pee i'm like why not just pee in an empty cup in the car if you're so damn dedicated you know yeah you know you know something about that i do oh my god okay so one time i was driving to chicago to visit my buddy um you did the, and this was you did the car with me too when we were driving back from appleton did i pee in it <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. Oh, my God. So they're sitting in the car. Benson and Stabes are sitting in the car. She refuses his coffee offer. Just then Toots radios in. He's like, we're wasting our time. That hoe's probably asleep. He literally (laughs) said that hoe's probably asleep. What the fuck is going on? All this hump work, all this hoe work. What's going on? The city, two blocks packed with hoes and humps. (laughs) (laughs) he's outside in all black like watching the house too not in a car just like around the corner and then Mm -hmm. oh my god a door opens and you see grace in a jacket carrying a trash bag toots is following her while she's walking down the street to the dumpster this is the the slowest scene in svu history by the way this scene takes forever and i know it's a crescendo of drama happening but it just takes a really long time we're like the body's in the bag we're aware (laughs) yeah she puts the bag in the dumpster Toots runs over to check what's in it. He goes, <laughs> yeah. He goes, oh shit, it's fucking Lisa. Yeah, Benny and Stabes are waiting in the car to get mm-hmm. Toots' confirmation that it actually is Lisa's remains. Yeah, and he's like, grab her. I'm going to call the morgue and CSU. Benson right. and Stabler run up and arrest her for the murder of Victor Renato. Was this so, a fucking writing thing? 
No, the screen said Victor, but that was a Toyota typo because Benson actually said Lisa Renato. I swear I even heard Victor when I read it. Because you were reading it at the same time. Okay, so I had it say Lisa and then seeing your notes, I'm like, Victor. And then I heard Victor too because I was reading the screen and then Mm. I didn't look at the screen and I heard Lisa. That's fucking bananas. It's weird how our brains do that shit. Mm-hmm. So I was like, who the fuck is Victor? Okay. Yeah. She's like, oh my God, I didn't kill anyone. I had to get rid of it because I couldn't let anything else happen to Claire. So she's saying that Claire killed her baby sister 14 years ago and it was an accident and that she was trying to protect her by hiding that baby. Yeah. And the whole time they're like, boop, 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 slam. Just putting her in the car. Like, you don't do stuff for other people. You know you don't. No. So in the lab, Toots is with Coroner Warner. She's almost done degreasing the last batch of bones. Mm. Okay. They're contracted, whatever, whatever. Anyways, there's a Dr. Philip DeVere. He's a consulting forensic anthropologist. And this is what I was going to go to school for when I was before I did tattooing because I was had a, my sociology stuff. I wanted mm-hmm. to be a forensic anthropologist. He's doing some facial recognition shit. There's like no pictures of, of the victim, which is really sad. And they need visuals for the trial because it helps the jury connect with the victim and stuff. It's just so manipulative and weird. <sighs> but whatever he has this high-tech software that makes a digital face instead of having to use modeling clay and shit real high-tech stuff the things that he's guessing at are like eye color and flesh tone obviously yeah although i bet you they can they know that stuff now even after that much decomp though no i mean like in the dna it could be like you're oh yeah yeah, yeah however yeah. much percentage you have brown eyes or whatever you know oh yeah probably science <laughs> yeah. science coroner warner doesn't have a report of the cause of death yet but knows what happened she's got the like bones all laid out and everything lisa has a compound fracture on the left scapula the left shoulder blade. tons of bones are broken so what happened was she was lying on her back when she was attacked and then turned on her right side to protect herself she was fucking stomped to death this little two-year-old is insane yep we also know that i i I saw the skull too and it's not obviously like a two-year-old it's a tiny adult skull Mm -hmm. those kids all have those teeth up here you know in the skulls Uh uh-huh you ever seen a baby skull yeah it's bonkers looking fucking bananas with all their because their their skull is just full of teeth this is all teeth up here all their adult teeth Benson's, do you want to do, do this or no? Sure. I hated that. I can do it if you don't want to. No, no, no. I can do this okay. now. So Benson and Stabler take Grace into an interrogation room. Grace wants to smoke, but they're not letting her because Stabler loves withholding. And she goes, mm-hmm. I don't have any cigarettes and I don't have my purse. This is when she gets like really sassy New Yorkie. Mm-hmm. They want to know why she says that Claire killed Lisa. Grace says Claire had been living with her for a few months when Grace got pregnant again. Lisa's mm-hmm. father and Claire were a family for a minute until Claire ran him off because she was in and out of trouble. Grace doesn't know where Claire's dad is. And they're like, why is there no record of Lisa in the hospital? And she's like, I wanted a home birth. It's more natural. Mm-hmm. Because this lady strikes me as somebody who's like really into homeopathic shit. Right. She She says that Claire beat Lisa to death because she was jealous. Claire hated that Grace doted on Lisa and Claire would fly into these rages. There's records of suspensions, fights at school. Claire says Mm -hmm. that Grace was trouble the minute she was born. Stabler sits down and pulls out a pack of cigarettes and asks what happened the day Lisa died. Right. And he's doing the same thing he did with Claire with a methadone, only using cigs. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, only using cigarettes. <laughs> Thank <Fucking> you. Cigs <laughs> is so weird that I don't, I hate oh. saying that. It's like somebody saying like tats. You're like, die. Fuck off and die. <laughs> Ciggies. So- she asked for a square. Oh my God. 
Early in the day that Lisa died, Grace had contacted Lisa's father because she thought it would be good for them to have a relationship. God knows girls need the dads. Mm -hmm. Claire overheard her on the phone and started asking her questions about her own dad. Her and sperm Grace, donor, as she keeps saying. Oh, yeah. her Yeah. Asked about his her sperm donor. So Grace sits down. Stabler gives her a smoke. She's getting more comfortable. Grace told Claire the truth about her dad. She didn't really know who he was, which is fine. Claire seemed yeah. okay with the answer, but then the rage came later. Grace was out when Claire supposedly beat Lisa to death. She said that she was at a bar getting fixed up on a date and Claire was babysitting. Benson goes, so you trust Claire with Lisa enough to leave them alone together, but Claire's not trustworthy. Grace goes, I didn't think Claire would kill her. Yeah. She says when she got home, Lisa was dead and Claire was bawling, said it was an accident, but she always said it was an accident after her rages. Benson's like, okay, well then why did you stuff the body in a trunk and didn't get help for Claire? And Grace flips out and she goes, I did help her. I kept Claire's secret safe for 14 years. She says that she didn't get rid of the body because she was worried with Claire's juvenile history that she'd go to prison. She didn't know what to do. We're doing a walk and talk with Benson, Stabler, and Cabot and Cragen. Cragen says, quote, that's textbook hump behavior. <laughs> Deny and stick it to the other guy. Okay, that, that was three times so far. They've said hump in this one. When they do the hands in before they start filming an episode, they're like, you guys, really quick. It's getting close to the end of the season. We've done a lot of episodes. Let's do something fun today. I've got an idea. I got an idea. Yeah. How many times go, can we get away with saying hump? <laughs> and then they go, one, two, three, hump. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Cabot's um, like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Cabot has enough to put Grace away for murder, but something ain't sitting right with Benson. Mm -hmm. Both Claire and Grace have an agenda, and neither of them are trustworthy. She wants to do a thorough background check. Mm -hmm. They're going to look into Grace's and Claire's shit to see if Claire was as much trouble as Grace says. Cabot doesn't give a shit. She has enough for trial, and anything else is just gravy. I don't want to say stupid, <laughs> but I, I have been. I have been craving poutine. I have. I'll say it. I put that in there because I have. All right. We're at the arraignment hearing. Grace pleads not guilty to the litany of charges that go along with murder and hiding a dead body. Mm -hmm. Cabot wants, this is so fucking nuts. Cabot wants remand. Grace's lawyer fights it. Cabot's like, nah, she's a bitch and murdered a fucking baby and hid the body. I'm yeah. sorry I said nah so hard. I nah. hate that. Yeah. <laughs> I like She's it. You're like, being really hard on yourself verbally today. I'm a mess for like two weeks. <laughs> I'm a hot mess. Nah, um, I'll have a cig. I'll have a ciggy hump. <laughs> um, nah, I'll just hump this cig. <laughs> oh. Anyways, Cabot's like, no. Grace is a bitch and murdered a fucking baby and hid the body. Dutch Petrovsky, who we love, she was also the one that spanked fucking Cabot last time, right? And was like, yes. I'll remember this shit. That's the this whole is... issue here. Yeah. I know mm -hmm. that we do love Judge Petrovsky for her no nonsense and no shit taking, but yeah. I I don't like this. I don't yeah. like how she's, um, she's overreaching with her power. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not here for it. Judge Petrovsky wants both lawyers to approach. Judge asked Cabot why there aren't two defendants. This is unclear. Claire's word, the victim Lisa's drug-addicted sister. The judge doesn't see Claire on the docket, and Cabot's like, oh, we're not charging Claire with Lisa's death. She's like, well, do you have anybody to corroborate that? Grace's lawyer said that if Grace was in possession of body parts, Claire technically was too, because they lived in the same house. Right, well, and also Claire had a part of her body in her oh, purse. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. The judge expects that Claire should be charged as a co-conspirator then. Cabot fucking leans in and puts her fucking elbows on the top of the judge desk thing. Yeah, like she's going up to a food truck or some shit. Yeah, and she's like, um, like wasted. I'm the girl cheese. They're like, this is a taco truck. I want girl cheese or whatever. Cabot fucking leans in. She says, quote, with all due respect, your honor, you don't have the right to tell the DA what to charge someone with and at what level. The judge's face. And like, oh my God. So her face is like, what? She says, step back. Petrovsky's being so hard on Cabot. Yeah, yeah. And Cabot, yeah. she doesn't care. She doesn't Gra- care. Grace's lawyer's eyes are like huge. And he's like looking around like, fuck, I'm going to win yeah. this. <laughs> you know? He's looking around like, I have got to see how this turns out. This is yeah. fucking crazy. But then he's also like got a half chub over how amazing Cabot's fucking holding her shit. Yep. He's like, so, I just went from six to midnight. This <laughs> is so good. But do you get it? But do you get it? Remember? Because <laughs> you said yeah. I just went from six to midnight. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's from forgetting Sarah Marshall, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> but do you get it? <laughs> judge denies remand and sets bail at 300000 And Cabot says, objection. The judge immediately overrules it. Cabot says, since you rebuked me from manipulating the law to my own advantage, your ruling seems hypocritical. And I was like, what is she doing? Mm-hmm. Judge tells her that if she says one more fucking word, she'll be in contempt and throw her in the clinker where she's going to have to smoke cigs <laughs> with all the other humps. <laughs> Jesus. Fucking Cabot says, ma'am, I urge you to reconsider or you will force me to file a grievance. The judge is like, bye. At this time, all the other lawyers are like looking like, what the fuck? (laughs) You notice the guys behind her were like, ooh. Ooh. Judge puts Cabot in contempt and calls for the bailiff to take her away. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So we cut right to Cabot sitting in a jail cell. Badass Liz Donnelly shows up and tells Cabot that Lewin is making nice with the judge. So be prepared for a real ass chewing phone call. Lewin is like the head of the DA, right? It's the ADA. No, he's the DA, not because she's an ADA. He's the actual. Yeah, yeah. He's the DA, right. Cabot says she's not going anywhere. Judge Petrovsky crossed a fucking line and she wants her to get thrown off the bench or censured. Donnelly, her energy is very monotone here. She says, you need to chill out. Petrovsky will bury you. Mm -hmm. Cabot's like, dude, I need your support. And Liz tells her that every judge they work with will have it out for them if she pushes this. And that's so fucked up, by the way. Like, they should be able to check... Checks and balances, you know what I mean? A hundred percent. It's but, so fucked up. Yeah. I mean, she's sitting there telling her shit. She already knows, but she's basically like, there's more power against you than there is behind you. Right. Which is and that's the up. way that's the way shit works. This is what drives mm. me nuts about fucking our quote freedom and like judges being impartial. But then like everybody right. freaks out about if a Republican or a Democrat goes on the fucking grand jury or whatever, because they are biased. This is the grand jury Supreme Court. Sorry. I don't know, whichever one. Their politics yeah. are, you know, are going to bias them. And that is not okay. Like, mm. drives me fucking nuts. Yeah. Kevin tells Liz, that she's like, well, so she's just going to push us around. And Liz is like, Mm-mm, Judge Petrovsky isn't pushing us around. Just you. Yeah. Kevin's like, what the fuck? She can't make me charge someone I think is innocent. And I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And Liz goes, well, I can. And you shouldn't presume Claire is innocent without all the facts and hands Cabot a file through the bars. Music. SVU Mm -hmm. found that Claire was prone to uncontrollable rages. And it's all well documented by her school and juvenile detention. She would attack kids and would kick them while they were down. Mm -hmm. Liz isn't ordering Cabot to file charges against Claire because she already did Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) 
And then she was like, bye. Just fucking left. Yeah. And I'm going, this might be true. But at this point, I think that Grace used that part of Claire's issues to redirect the investigation because she knew they would find something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's going to be evidence I mean, against she, Claire. She even said, she's like, if they looked at her juvie file, they would know that. And then she would have to go to jail and I didn't want her to. And you're like, oh, you, she you know so shit. She was so angry. Right. She just walks up to Claire messing around with some plants in her yard. She looks over and rolls her eyes and she's like, ugh, 34 hours and I'm still clean. Ugh. And he's mm-hmm. like, hey, I have to take you in for lying about these rages that you have. He asked if she was there when Lisa died. She turns around and she's like, she couldn't stop it and she was already too late. Grandma Rose comes out while Toots is handcuffing her. Claire's tells Grandma Rose to let him do his job and to stay out of it, which I was like, she's innocent. And she said that. I don't know mm-hmm. why. But Toots tells Rose that Claire's going to the tombs and will have an arraignment tomorrow and the bail will be set at 300k and she needs 10% to get Claire out. She, what, Again, this is... Is that 30,000? Yes. This is another great scene showing their relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. You can tell he's disappointed. The chemistry between Claire and Toots is so father-daughter and we don't get to see this with Toots ever. And yeah. so I'm, I'm loving it. I'm just like drinking in the scenes between these two. I don't know why, but it's like an acting chemistry. They have this incredible chemistry. Oh, I'm here for it. But Claire's just sort of like, let Toots do his job in a weird alternate universe. He is like this support for me and I barely know him, but it's, ugh. Mm -hmm. I have a whole backstory with these two. They go on. They keep in touch. Right. To this day. Of course. Yeah. Ice-T and Martha Plimpton get together for New Year's. Like, for sure. They send cards for birthdays. They text each other turkey emojis on Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in court, Grandma Rose and Claire's lawyer stop Cabot in the hall. Rose says that Claire did not kill Lisa. You know, Rose is like, I raised her. Mm-hmm. Cabot tells her that she also raised Grace. Is she a killer? And I was like, oh, whoa. And then- Cabot's here to press people to the wall, man. Yeah, Grandma Rose didn't even have anything to say. The lawyer was just like, hey, go to the bail office thing and fucking do your shit. But yeah. nice. He said it nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy looked super familiar to me, and yeah. I'm not sure why. Well, so in this he- episode, he's attorney Sean Kramer, and he's actor Danny Johnson. He comes back to SVU two more times, once in 2007 and another time in 2016, where he mm. plays Teddy Brown Sugar Hawkins. So a very different oh. character than what he's playing right now. Yeah. He was also in three episodes of Criminal Intent. He was in an episode of Pose, which I don't remember him from, but I need to go back and watch Pose again, which is like... Hmm so good i love that the rest of his credits are a mile long and as an actor it's like known that he's extremely versatile so Mm -hmm. yeah so he's a great actor but yeah i don't know what i recognized him from necessarily but he's he might just be in so many things that i know his face yeah so he tells cabot that the only reason this is happening is because she was a fucking cunt to the judge yeah and he's like you should recuse yourself in this case and she's like no idiot And then they fight each other a little bit. (laughs) And he's also like, Claire was 15, so she should be charged as a minor. Cabot's like, she can't. I can't do it. My hands are tied. Dude, hands are that blue paper thing. Not a summons. It's a, I always forget the name of it. Then I hear it later. Mm. Um, That one of those blue paper things. And he's like, maybe a different judge can. uh, Yes. Emotion. And then says, maybe a different judge can untie them for you. I'm feeling emotion. (laughs) Deeper than I am. (laughs) 
Oh, I thought we were going to get through a whole episode without one of us breaking out into song. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're at the chambers of Judge Seligman. Claire's lawyer and Cabot are there. He's given them five minutes, but Claire is running late. Claire's lawyer doesn't know when she'll show up. Problem is, is like she was aware of the motion hearing today. Even Cabot had reached out to her. She was fully aware Mm -hmm. that there was a motion today. This motion was to have the files charged as a minor. Cabot steps up because Cabot doesn't want the shit to happen either. But Cabot steps up and says she has no objections to rescheduling. And the judge is like, nope, I'm just going to issue a bench warrant for Claire. (sighs) Yeah. Now we go, we're back in court. Fucking Cabot's talking to all these people and Toots rushes up to Cabot while she's talking to these people and yells at her for not calling him after a bench warrant was issued. And I was like, fuck you, Toots. And she was just like, hey, there wasn't any time yet. Like, it's just happened. I know, but let him care about Claire, Gabe. I know. (laughs) Let him care. Always take it... Why do you always have to take it out on her? I know. She doesn't have any control over this shit. He's like, hey, you're the punching bag for everyone in the precinct and apparently all the judges now, too. Yeah. And that guy who steals your pickle. Where's he at? Oh, probably at a deli somewhere (laughs) begging for picks. She. (laughs) 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 Okay. (laughs) She tells him the judge issued the warrant. It wasn't her. You know, Claire didn't show up for court. It wasn't her call to be in trouble with the judge, and Claire lied to them. He's like, can you just give me some time? He's like, I think she's at the Skank Hotel. And then it reminded me of that time that I told you about that, right? But your dad? Yeah, um, back in the late 1900s, late 1990s. (laughs) You've said this on the pod, too. It was a while ago. The Skank thing? Yeah. Oh, never mind. Okay. No, you can say it. It was a long no, time my, ago. Uh, we were all calling each other skanks all the time. It was just a thing to do. Like, And so we're at the fucking <laughs> breakfast table. And my dad comes up to me and he's like, hey, skank. I immediately burst into tears and run off. My mom's like, Richard. He thought... <laughs> yeah. He thought I meant cool, yeah. but it did not. So he had the, that was an awkward uh, talk. We had an awkward talk. <laughs> now we're at that Lydia Hotel in Midtown. The super or front desk guy is opening the door. He's an egg with a permed skullet. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He was very eggy, for sure. It's- he tells Toots that she came in a while ago and hasn't left yet. Toots walks in and sees Claire OD on a chair. He calls a bus and Toots carries her into the bathroom and throws her in the tub with him with the shower going. His leather duster is getting soaked. Yeah, it's probably ruined. He's wiping her face, and she's kind of coming to a little bit, and he's like, damn you, Claire. Damn you, Claire. Damn you, Claire. And Tusa's badge Tina, number is no. 43918. <laughs> what? <laughs> Malcolm just runs past the apartment. Tina, no! <laughs> In Claire's hospital room, Toots is reading a newspaper and asks Claire if she was trying to take the easy way out. She says she really didn't mean to overdo it, and she's ready for him to leave. She's like, good for you. You saved my life. Bye. You did your fucking deed for the day. Right. He's like, um, no, you're in big trouble. I almost bought the shit about you taking care of your sister and loving her, but damn, girl, you're better than the soaps. She goes, you have no idea what it's like to have a mother who doesn't give a damn about you. And Toots goes, violins are gonna start any minute. She goes, screw you. Lisa was all I had. She was happy to see me come through the door. Unconditional love is a rush. And they're like trying to compare her relationship Mm. with her little sister to her relationship with heroin. I don't know. And Toots leans in super hard. He gets out of his chair, okay? (laughs) He's an inch and a half from her face. He is, they're nose to nose. She's carrying all of this. Anything that you feel about them as like a pair or a team or whatever, it's her because he's not a good actor. (laughs) Yes, he is pressing his nose against her nose and, but like head Remember, Remember in Jurassic, remember in Jurassic Park, when that velociraptor was like <laughs> up, at the, up on the window in the mm-hmm. fucking kitchen 
It was that. Okay, yeah, that was Toots. And he goes, give it to me straight, you killer. And Martha Plimpton's like... Yeah, I was totally. You can see this amazing fucking actress thinking in her head, like, really? Like, this fucking guy? Motherfucking Ice-T? Who'd have thunk I'd be here with this guy right now? You know? Right. No, no, I love Ice-T. I fucking love Ice-T, but come on. I do, too. But cu- but he's in a scene with Martha Plimpton, and he's like, you can see him being like, I gotta act the shit out of this. Yeah, yeah, and you didn't. I was thinking about this, like, during this scene, because she's, again, incredible, and he's doing his damnedest and his best. Mm-hmm. And we all just kind of accepted that Ice-T is an actor now and he's going to play a pivotal role in the SVU on one of the longest running series ever. I don't know how that happened. It's Ice-T. The transitions that he's made in his life. He is the Madonna of gangster rap. He's a... Think about where he started, right? Bless him. Yeah. I know. This guy didn't say, it's not like he didn't just fade away. He was like, all right, what do I do now? Claire, nose to nose with toots, says, I didn't kill Lisa, but I couldn't protect her. Grace was too strong. She had too much of a stronghold. She told me that if I don't keep my mouth shut, she would kill me too. And toots is like, do you tell anybody? And she goes, yeah. Did you tell anybody? She goes, yeah, I called my grandma Rose the first time I was alone again. I immediately told someone. But if we all remember, grandma was recovering from a stroke. And on top of that, she didn't even really believe her, which I think Mm -hmm. it had to do with her brain kind of not being 100% there yet. Toots is back on board with fucking Claire. Mm -hmm. He says, it wasn't your fault. And Claire starts bawling because Lisa trusted Claire to keep her safe. Toots kind of busts into Cragen's office. Cabot's there. He tells them that Claire's on her way to the tombs. He asks if there's anything they can do to help her. Cabot says, nope. (laughs) She's pretty much just, nope, she's going to prison. Yeah. Oh, Toots is pissed. And he says, Cabot is only doing this because she needs a win to get the boss off her ass. And he, she was like, um, what? You seem to have done a 180 all of a sudden. And Toots is like, excuse me? And fucking Kragen jumps up and gets in the middle of him. And he's like, hey, hey, hey. If Claire killed her sister, she wouldn't have taken the finger after all these years. Cabot says, I may have been able to sell that if Claire had asked someone for help or turned her mother in or talked to anybody. Mm-hmm. And Toots says, Claire did tell someone. She told Grandma Rose. Grace had three kids. Two are dead. And he doesn't like those odds. Is that what you were going to say? I didn't yeah. put it in there. Yeah. <laughs> Cabot's like, it's time to ask Grandma Rose the hard questions. And Toots throws in and dig up the infant's body. Mm, yeah. You want me to do this part? Uh, yeah. We're in the medical examiner's office. Two lab folks are wheeling in a small casket. Coroner Warren tells Toots he better start praying for a miracle. This baby's death certificate says crib death, which is like SIDS now, right? Yeah. She said, hopefully they miss something. So with SIDS, a baby's body sort of just doesn't know when to breathe and usually the body takes over but sometimes it doesn't it's like sleep apnea kind of well she says we all have sleep apnea to a degree but our bodies tell us to keep breathing and for some reason there are yeah there's a higher chance for certain age windows and sid stands for sudden infant death syndrome Mm -hmm. um and i don't like talking about it toots asks coroner warner if grace had smothered this child what would she look for and she was like well i would have checked the eyes but it's been a long time and she kind of thinks she won't be able to tell him anything Mm -hmm. you know benson and stabler have rose in a conference room rose says that she didn't talk to claire or grace hardly at all when she was recovering from her stroke she never really got a straight answer as to how claire was doing adjusting to living with grace stabler goes you don't really like grace and she says she's my daughter i love her it's not her fault she's like she is 
This fucking woman, I just love her. Oh, she's great. But yeah, mm. she, I mean, she raised Claire for a chunk of her life, which shows, from, you know, like. From like zero to fucking 13. Yeah. So Rose goes on to tell the detectives that Grace has had problems since the day her father left. And Claire didn't really fit Grace's lifestyle. Grandma Rose was concerned for Claire because Grace, quote, isn't patient. And the situation required an adjustment for both of them. Mm-hmm. Benson asked if that's what happened with the first baby, Grace's lack of patience. Putting it very gently. Putting it very gently. She goes on to ask what happened the night that Grace's first baby died. Grandma says, nothing. They went to sleep. Grandma Rose went to go check on Anthony because the crib was in Grace's room. And when she got in there, he was already blue. Stabler asked why Rose went to check on the baby. And she said that Grace was a new young mother and didn't know anything yet. Stabler wasn't super buying it because he's like, well, the baby was two months old when he died. Why didn't Grace have a handle on it by then? Yeah, I kind of I was like, "Mm, that doesn't seem like that old of a baby when you're single. You know, it's to not have that your mom o- help, you know? No, yeah. it's not. It's not. And like, he would fucking know. I get where he was pushing for that to go. And mm. I agree with that. But yeah, like, that's a stupid yeah. thing to lean on. She said that he was colicky and cried all the time. Okay, so Darla was colicky and it was so fucking brutal. Yeah. Like, she screamed her head off for months. If she was awake, she was screaming. I'm not even kidding. When she would rustle, you know, when she would be like waking up. I would get a rush of anxiety because I knew I was going to sit with this little person screaming their head off for like two hours. Yeah. I, and I don't know how we would have done it without these little moments of help from our moms. Like John's mom would come and then my mom would come and they would. What is colicky? It's, it's just another catch all term for they just scream their heads off. Mm. You can't soothe them. They're like unsoothable. But there's nothing really wrong that we're aware of. Yeah. Do all babies get like that or not? Or just no. Some? No, not all babies. I mean, because they, they say things like, to because pe- people get filled with so much anxiety, they're like, you yeah. know, the baby is safely in a different room so you can, I don't know, not shake the shit out of it because you're mm-hmm. freaking out, you know? Yeah. And you need to do that sometimes. Like, you need to walk away and that that needs to be more, that's the thing, that's what I don't like about Stabler saying that, really, because it's like, oh, she couldn't handle it. It's like, well, even people who are extremely equipped and prepared, mm-hmm. you never know, like, what you're going to deal with. So when grandma was like, he was fucking colic. I don't believe that she would have been like, it's your responsibility. You need to deal with this. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. So Benson tells her that they were told Grace can't stand crying. It drives her crazy. And Grandma Rose wants to know how this is going to help Claire. They tell her that no one can help her. She's going to prison. There's a knock on the door. Craig and pulls him out. What timing? Toots called. Corner Warner can't find a thing to support infanticide. Mm-hmm. And the baby was probably smothered. They don't even have evidence, so they need a confession. Mm-hmm. And they think that Grandma Rose talking to Grace might help. Oh, <gasps> it gets wild after this. You fucking guys. All right. Now we're at Rikers. Okay. Cabot, Benson, Stapler, Grace... And Grace's lawyer are in a room. Of course, Grace is fucking chain smoking. And she looks really cute in her little jumpsuit. I'm sorry. She, just, <laughs> she does. I just love this woman. She's just yeah. she's a beautiful, amazing, awesome actress. Cabot tells them that they aren't going fishing. They're there for a separate issue. And they have the right to interview a murder suspect. He says that they can talk about this during cross-examination. But Cabot says she can't cross-examine someone who hasn't been charged with anything yet. This is a new murder. Mm. Benson wants to talk about Anthony. And the lawyer goes, who's Anthony? And I had to stop because I kept 
kept mentally going, who's Anthony? Who's Anthony? And I had to find out what was that in my head? Why was that ringing in my head? It's from fucking Wayne's world during the camera one, camera two scene when Wayne and Cassandra are in bed and she answers the phone and she's like, hey, Anthony. And he's like, who's Anthony? Who's Anthony? And she's like, my drummer. (laughs) Uh, Grace is like, what about him? They tell her they exhumed his body. She's pissed. She's like, you can't do that. Mm. They're like, well, you know, we can if we have permission from a family member. (sighs) All of a sudden the doors open. It's fucking Grandma Rose, right? And she sits down. Mm -hmm. The acting here. Oh, my God. These women are too much for one room. Yeah. So good. Okay. Do you want to be gross? (laughs) Do you want to be gross? (laughs) Do I want to be? No, but it's happening. (laughs) Do you want to be Rose or do you want to be Grace? I want to be Rose because I want you have more with the accents and stuff. Okay, great. Because okay. I wanted to be Grace. Great. Rose sits down and she says, I can't let you do this, Grace. Can you do a little more of an old lady voice? Okay. Because she has one and I know you can do it. Okay. I can't let you do this, Grace. <laughs> you sold me out, didn't you? I should have done it long ago. You promised me, Mama, that when Dad left, you'd look after me, since you were the one who drove him away. That man was a lousy husband and a horrible father. I don't know why he never kept in touch with you. Maybe he saw something ugly in you, something I couldn't face until now. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Damn. No. And then I'm upset. That's exactly how she says it, too. She's like, no, Mom. No. That's not true. He loved me. You kept him from me. You're just bitter because he dumped you. Grace, I'm tired of the guilt. I'm tired of cleaning up your mess. I'm tired of you. You suck the life out of everything you touch, but you won't get Claire. I feel like I have like five different fucking grandma voices for this. I am riveted. What the hell is so special about her? She never killed anyone, Grace. She never covered his son's face to stop his crying and watched him struggle for his last breath. I didn't kill him. You did. If you had taken him for just one more night, but no, you had to teach me a lesson. You wanted that, baby? You were damn well going to take care of him. He was your responsibility. I never wanted him. Kids are the price you pay for being with a man who'll just dump you in the end. Isn't that what you said when daddy left? The camera cuts to Benson and she's got a Mm. gigantic tub of fresh buttery popcorn. Oh my God. They are having this whole conversation with everyone in the room. Mm -hmm. Benson then asks Grace whose idea it was to put him in the crib and wait to call the doctor. And then I reply, hers. Isn't my mother brilliant? I did that to protect you. I wasn't the best mother. You needed so much. I could never fill that hole in you. So we're cutting to Cabot, then we're cutting to Staves. Their eyes are darting around like, did they forget that we are all in here? Why hasn't Grace's lawyer done anything to protect her? (laughs) He has also, he went back to the snack bar to to refill his soda. He's got some dots. (laughs) He's just fucking jujubes. He's like, oh my God, can we pause this for a quick second? Because I have to go get some junior mints because I want to put them in your popcorn. And Benson's like, not everybody likes that. And he's like, well, I do. I do too. (laughs) Never fill that hole in you and Grace, but you, okay. Yeah. But you jumped through hoops for Claire. You thought she was your second chance to get it right. Well, she's a junkie, ma. So you still (laughs) screwed up. It's not me. It's you. Deep down, I knew you'd kill again. The only reason Claire's alive is that I took her from you. I wish I could have done the same for Lisa. I never should have covered for you. Who are you kidding, ma? You covered it for yourself so the neighbors wouldn't gossip. 
I know that, Grace, and I live with it every day. She knows that? That's why she really did it? Okay, I don't understand, but whatever. I'm sure she's aware that that's a part of her motive. It's not, right. it's, there's so many layers. Yeah. Where's Huang? Grandma Rose fucking stands up and she looks over at the detectives and Cabot and says, Do you have what you need? Cabot's like, I'll drop the charges against your granddaughter. As soon as we're done here. Grandma Rose gets up to leave the room. Grace's lawyer finally fucking snaps (laughs) out of it. (laughs) And he's like, what are you offering here, Cabot? She's like, nothing. We're going for the maximum. Grace is shocked and like watches her mom leave the room. Just Mm. like, it's almost like she's like, did I just say that out loud? All of that? (laughs) It was bananas. Benson and Stabler are gathering shit from the jail desk thing. Stabler tells Grandma Rose that she's under arrest for obstruction of justice in the murder of Anthony Renato. Stabler starts putting cuffs on her and Benson's like, do you have to use the cuffs? But then Grandma Rose says, I'm responsible for the deaths of two innocent children, detective. I think handcuffs are appropriate. Which totally sucks because I feel like she could have gotten immunity with the help of a lawyer. But I think in the same breath, she She's also like, this is finally over and I have responsibility and I want to like atone for my part in it. Right. Which, ugh. Yeah. Stabler and Benson walk her out of the door. Outside, Claire is released and is walking on the sidewalk. Her and Toots kind of lock eyes across the street and walk towards each other. Not looking both ways, by the way. I thought this was going to end with a car hitting her. That's what I thought. (laughs) I was like, oh my God. Anytime in a movie somebody walks across the street, I'm like, they're going to (laughs) die. They meet in the middle of the street because that's where you hang out. She asks Toots how Grandma Rose is doing. Toots says she's holding her own and Claire will be able to see her tomorrow. He hands her this big manila envelope and says it's her last excuse to not go to rehab. Inside is a framed digital reconstruction of little baby Lisa's face. Oh, and Claire starts bawling. She says, no more lame ass whining about how you have to get high to see her face. And I was like, can you fucking calm down, dude? This is an addict. You'll fucking calm down. Just relax. I know. He just cares so much. Yeah, well, fucking act like they it. take the piss out of each other. They do. They so. really do take the piss out of each other. Just you know just, what? All they need to do is just relax, have a smoko, no big deal. You know what I mean? Yep. Crack a beer, Uncle Sink that shit. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Go to the beach where there's weird spiders and crazy fucking I don't know. I think I'm obsessed with Australia right now. Let's go. Claire says, I would hug you, but I can tell you don't like to be touched. Toots hands her a card of a place to go to start getting clean. His buddy runs it, and he had called him and told him to expect her. Don't make me have to run your ass down, Claire. They stare at each other, and Claire is like, fuck it, and goes in for a hug. And she says thanks. Toots, like, slowly puts his hand up and, like, weirdly closes his eyes and hugs her back, which I was like, aw. But he did that thing where he's, like, an anchorman. He's like, what do I do with my hands? Yeah, he (laughs) had, um, that was, was it anchorman? No. No. Talladega Nights. Oh, that's right. Yeah. No, he had, yeah, he had his hands spread out like starfish. Like he was about to palm a basketball. Yeah, but but two basketballs, but then it was her back. And then he sort of just pressed into her coat with those hands. It was very, it was was like like the first time he'd ever hugged anyone before. Yeah. And we like, we get it. Toots is like rough and tumble and fucking from narc whatever. Got it. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I was here for all of it. It was a good episode. Fuck, man. Yeah. Toyota! In 1986, 26-year-old Paula Sims and her husband Robert were living in Brighton, Illinois and had just started their family. They had a newborn daughter named Laura Lee 
And on the evening of June 17th, while Robert was at work, police were called to the Sims house. According to Paula, there had been a child abduction. Paula told police that while she watched TV and Laura Lee slept, a masked gunman entered the house. He made Paula lie on the floor and then left with 13-day-old Laura Lee. A search for the baby began, and a few days later, on June 22nd, Laura Lee's little body was found in the woods behind the Sims' home. An autopsy would confirm asphyxiation as the cause of her death, like someone had put their hand or a blanket over her nose and mouth. Unfortunately, there wasn't enough evidence to be able to arrest anyone in this case, even though police had their suspicions of Robert and Paula. You know, her story kind of didn't make sense and they couldn't find anything to corroborate it. Yeah. Which isn't always bonkers, but... Anyway, the couple moved to Alton, only about 20 minutes away, but enough to create some space for themselves. Fast forward to February 1st, 1988, when Paula gave birth to their second child, a little boy they called Randy. Just over okay. a year later, on March 18th, 1989, they had another little one, a baby girl they called Heather. It seemed like they were rebuilding from the tragedy of 1986. Sure. So let's go on to April 29th, 1989. Randy's 14 months old. Do you want to be mad about that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Heather is just six weeks old. Robert was working the night shift and Paula was home with the kids. They were both asleep, Randy upstairs in his bed and Heather downstairs in her bassinet. Paula had taken the trash out at about 10.30 p.m. when she ran into a dude with a gun pointed directly at her at the stairs by her front door. Okay. She was then taken at gunpoint back inside and knocked unconscious for what she said was about 45 minutes. She only came to because Robert had returned home from work to find her lying on the ground and baby Heather was gone. Randy was still safely asleep in his bed. Police organized a search for baby Heather, but were immediately extremely suspicious of Paula. For one, yeah. the kind of injury that should have been, for one, the kind of injury that should have been sustained after a blow to the back of the head that would knock someone out for 45 minutes was not present. Yeah. Also, the statement Paula made to Robert in front of several officers that struck them as odd was, my son's all right, that's all that matters. Lastly, it dawned on one of the Alton cops that this was the same couple from a few years ago in the neighboring town of Brighton that had claimed this same fucking thing happened to them. Yeah. So that night, the cops knew that they weren't going to recover a kidnapped little girl. On May 3rd... <gasps> Wait, really? Yeah. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I was doing my research and I got to this and I'm just... And I rolled my eyes. I'm like, ugh, were, take a moment. Were you like, oh, I'm going to fucking find something else? <laughs> to do <laughs> <laughs> almost because i'm like i'm gonna let her have a moment to celebrate this because it was like an awful awful thing that day so on may 3rd 1989 heather's partially frozen body was found wrapped in a garbage bag and dumped in an outdoor public trash bin in west alton missouri right across the mississippi river from alton where they were just like laura lee heather had died of asphyxiation in a similar fashion two days later on may 5th madison county prosecutors removed little randy and placed him in a state foster home Whoa. At this point, neither Paula or Robert are arrested, but Robert approved of the removal of Randy. Police reported that the father believed his wife had killed their daughters and feared for the safety of their son. Whoa, whoa. As the investigation continued, Robert and Paula complied less and less with police. They both refused to take lie detector tests and refused to speak with investigators any further. But they had also failed a lie detector test in Jersey County in 1986 after Laura Lee had passed. Mm-hmm. 
Which, again, I like how we lean into that. Like, it's like, well, they failed the polygraph. Well, they don't even use that shit. I don't get it. So on May 12th, Jersey County authorities charged Paula Sims with obstruction of justice and concealment of a homicide for allegedly lying to police in 1986. So this was where they were prior. And this was for Laura Lee's death. Okay. They couldn't prove that she killed her. But because of the disappearance of Heather, I guess they were like, that's enough to get her charged with obstruction and concealment. Hmm. She was out immediately because bail was set at $100,000. So 10% of that, 10 grand. Then on July 1st, two months after the death of baby Heather, Madison County State's Attorney William Hayne charged Paula Sims with obstruction and concealment for allegedly lying to police about Heather's disappearance and for hiding her body. Mm. So they're just trying to get this woman put away while they investigate the murder. Yeah. So yeah, that was on July 1st. On July 11th, she's indicted by a grand jury for first-degree murder in Heather's death, and no judge will set bail at this point. Mm. Um, So now she's stuck. Nobody believes her. No, they ended up having the trial in Peoria, which is another part of Illinois, because this was exploded, and they were like, she's got to get a fair trial. Yeah. December 14th, 1989, Mm -hmm. Madison County Associate Judge Eller Duff Williams grants temporary custody of Randy to Robert, ordering no contact with Paula. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they never had enough evidence to arrest Robert, although many people, cops, prosecutors, believed he knew or participated much more than ever admitting. Do they just not like baby girls? That was speculated. There were some things that were said. Somebody testified, I think she had like a roommate when she gave birth to Loralee, who said that she overheard Paula crying because she had given birth to a girl and she didn't want to disappoint her husband who wanted a boy. Whoa. The trial of the People versus Paula Sims began on January 8th, 1990. She faced the death penalty on two counts of first-degree murder, two counts of obstruction, and one count of concealing a homicide. She was found guilty, but her life was spared, and she was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Mm-hmm. So the the thing I read as to why they decided that was because they weren't convinced that Robert didn't have involvement. Yeah. So that somehow affected the jury's decision to keep her alive, which Paula has made statements following that that was like this is so much worse continuing to live Following the guilty verdict, Robert filed for divorce. It was agreed upon in those documents that Robert would be required to take Randy to visit his mother once a month. Two years into her incarceration, Paula, who up until this point had maintained her innocence, admitted to killing both baby girls. She claimed that her husband didn't want daughters, only sons, and she was trying to please him. But then another two years later, she was attempting to make a post-conviction relief petition. Post-conviction relief is a procedure that allows the defendant in a criminal case to bring more evidence evidence or raise additional issues in a case after a judgment has been made. Okay. So I just Googled this, but with valid grounds, post-conviction relief can help you obtain a fair resolution in your case. Okay. So in this, she stated that she had suffered from postpartum psychosis and that she had struggled with every single one of her kids, even with Randy. I mean, she was like, the fact that he survived is crazy. She even was quoted as to saying, quote, he was crying and I had tried everything I knew to comfort him, but nothing was working. Before I knew it, I snapped and laid him down on the playpen and yelled at him to be quiet. And then I threatened him. He 
quit crying immediately. His eyes got big and he just stared at me. I quickly picked him up, held him closer to me and told him I was so sorry. I didn't mean it. I believe it was this sudden adrenaline rush and Randy's reaction along with actually hearing me threaten him, which brought me out of postpartum depression psychosis, just enough to save Randy from the terrible fate of his sister. Even with all this, she was denied a new trial based on the postpartum psychosis claims. Mm -hmm. Once this stuff all kind of came to light and she started talking about it and people started talking about it, that let in a whole different dimension of shit. Like it's, I mean, obviously this is so not okay, but there are so many things that failed before these little girls died, you Mm -hmm. know, because I read interviews with her talking about it and I'm just like, dude, it's so fucking relatable. Like the postpartum shit. Yeah. In 2007, Paula petitioned for and was denied clemency. I'm just going through updates now. Robert and Randy, okay, they were very close. Obviously, Randy lost both his sisters. His mom's in prison. His dad's all he's got. After Paula went to prison, Robert apparently got super Christian and raised Randy in the church. Robert was also remarried in 2002. On June 20th, 2015, Robert, 63, and Randy, 27, were on a roadie to deliver some Bibles in Mississippi. They were down there because they and some other church members were repairing homes and stuff that were still damaged from Hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. So they were doing mission trip stuff. A drunk driver clipped their Jeep, forcing them off an interstate overpass, killing both of them. Christ. March of 2021, not even a year ago. Yeah. Paula requests a parole hearing and gets it. The Illinois Prisoner Review Board voted 12 to 1 on granting her release. Paula left prison after 30 years on October 29th, 2021. Wow. The end. She was supposed to be in there for life. She's done a lot of speaking about postpartum depression and psychosis. I think the science on it really ended up helping her in the long run. Mm -hmm. Similar in a lot of ways, but also it's almost like, was this woman even a monster? Right. Like you might think in the beginning. I don't know. Ugh. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Can we be done talking about dead babies? Yep. Cool. All right. Next week, we got season three, episode 22, Competence. SVU receives a complaint from an elderly woman that her daughter, Katie, who has Down syndrome, has been raped and is now pregnant. All right. Well, what a bummer. Hooray. Great. Soup's bummer. God, we're getting so close to the end of the season. I know. We're almost done with season three. I know. Oh, my God. Follow us on all social media at SVU Pod. Join the Facebook group, SVU Pod Elite Squad. Check out our Patreon. Can we say enough about it? We love it. It's so fucking fun. Yeah. There's so much extra stuff, bonus content, these episodes, but with all the little side conversations. Honestly, we just recorded for three fucking hours. Did we? But I'm going to get this down for the regular feed. I get it down to what, like an hour and 20 at the most? Something. I'm fucking dying inside. Yeah. But for the Patreon, it is usually substantially longer yeah and much more disjointed so if you like that (laughs) yeah Yeah. hashtag little bit loud check out those small indie pods there's a couple more that have jumped on i'm gonna post about it i'm gonna shout some out on instagram shout it shout it out support each other yeah okay that's it love you bye love you bye megan you forgot your jacket no from Key and Peel, remember? <laughs> no. Megan, they have the the same fucking couple that she's always like, Megan, your jacket. She's like, no. <laughs> I can't believe you. Have- I guess eggy weggies, tiggies, and toast. Chonks. Mm. Let's do it in chonks. <laughs> <sighs> Begging for picks. <laughs> that was me. Yeah, no. It was the Key and Peel thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
to our Elite Squad patrons, Haley K, Sonia W, Jenny S, Sky K, Nikki B, Marissa M, Elky H, Sarah A, Annie G, Mary D, Andrew, Andrew. Rebecca D, Miranda B, Shelby W, Lex, Emily T, Kayla W, Mallory G, Eliza W, Bonita R, Marin. <laughs> Vanessa, Amy P, Jess M, Summer M, Melanie G, Courtney W, Ursula S, Emily A, Katrina C, Kate H, Uyunga, Nicole R, Julia P, Sapphire, Kayla, Allison B, Shy R, Catherine M, Kate P, Jessica S, Nicole M, and Acacia V. We love you and appreciate you. Thanks for making this possible, you guys, for us. Thank you, guys. Simply the best. You're the best. Better than all the rest. I've never loved anyone more, and I have kids and a family that I should have strong feelings for, but you guys are my favorite. No. Ew. Okay. Bye. I gotta go. 